Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. In the gun, episode 100. Yes, it is finally here, Jed. It's been a long time coming, more so for you, Wes, and Owen. Um, I'm kind of new to this whole thing, but we are finally here to episode 100. We're going to bring Phil Steele on here in just a minute to talk West Virginia, Houston, top 25 and Big 12 as always. But first, uh, a, a huge thank you for everyone that makes this show possible. I'll knock these out right now, and I'll also give a shout out, shout out later on as well. Uh, but Bet Online, um, even Believe, um, thank you for to them as well. Uh, Fortis, Toothman Ford, uh, Gomart, who has been a part of this as well. Um, huge thank you to everybody that has helped put in the gun together and made this thing possible. It wouldn't be uh, possible without you guys. So we thank you guys so much. And uh, it's crazy to be here. Episode 100. I think I came on around like episode 60 or so. So I've, it's flown by for me as well. Well, it started cranking even more when we brought you on because we've started doing more episodes. And uh, yeah, it's it seems like not that long ago that I got the call from Believe. Uh, and then I was reaching out to Owen and Wes kind of fell into our lap and it, it, it's, we've been, we've been blessed. It's all just kind of worked its way, worked itself out. But, uh, here we are to triple digits as Wes always likes to say, you're not, you know, he's been, he's been told forever. You're not a real podcast. <laughs> so I guess we're somewhat real. How scary that might be. I don't know. But speaking of our sponsors, I, I was uh, talking to Rick Lewis before team flight yesterday. We, we got a chance to catch up. And once in a Rick, Rick and I get to talk and it, it, you know, we, we solve all the world's problems. It was great to catch up with Rick, but, uh, and, and as you touched on, thanks for, thanks for helping us out from Fortis. Thanks for, for helping us out from, from JR and the crew at Toothman. Uh, I mean, on down the line, it's, it's uh, been, uh, it takes a village to make a podcast, right? And, uh, it, it's worked out really well, but uh, thanks to everybody and thanks to you guys, and uh, thanks to Skylar and Wes and Owen, and uh, yeah, but it's it's worked out well. Year two is much different than year one. Uh, you know, we brought you on, uh, we brought Phil on. You know, who we're about to talk to again after the break, but but uh, we just wanted to continue to make strides to make it better, and uh, and we we feel we've done that, and let's just keep it humming, man. Yeah, yeah, and I, I appreciate you guys for involving me in this too. This is a pretty cool thing that we got going here, and uh, also, like you just said, a, a big thank you to the fans. I mean, you guys have been awesome. It's been fun to engage with you uh, and and be a part of this thing. Like when we go through these weekly pickums that we do every week, and you guys try to beat us, which you're doing a phenomenal job at, by the way. We're we're struggling to get one. You guys are getting three, but uh, in uh, the just the act of the activeness in the YouTube comments. I mean, you guys are killing it. So, um, as always, as we always say, be near telling you about your favorite WB football podcast and uh, let them know about us. Hit that subscribe button on YouTube at In the Gun Podcast and follow us on X at In the Gun Podcast. So, Jed, uh, before we get to Phil, we've always got these little weekly wagers. We're going to do that to, uh, before the show today since we didn't have any picks to recap. So, what do you got for us cooking this week? Let's start with this one. We all know Dana pretty well. There's a misconception with Dana as 
uh, a guy with an air raid pedigree that he's happy and high flying. And that's really all he does. And that's not the case. I mean, Dane has been committed to a strong running game for quite some time and a balanced offense. And when you look to uh, his uh, run rate versus his pass rate, I mean, the numbers kind of speak to that. So I'm going to give you a a frame of reference here, and then I'm going to ask you a question at the end. So this year so far, Houston has thrown the football 56% of the time and run the football 44% of the time. That's roughly where Dana in the, in the neighborhood that he hovers last year, even when they had Clay Toon and Tank Dell, uh, really aerial weapons, they were still passing to just 55% of the time. I mean, even if you go back to 2018 at West Virginia with Will Greer and that crew of receivers, uh, we only threw it 54% of the time. I mean, Dana's, for a long time, believed in a strong running game. Uh, you had to go back to Schuyler to find an imbalance, really, when he was actually running it 57% of the time. So at Houston this year, he has five games. Here are the percentages of times he threw the football in those five games. UTSA, only 51%. Rice, 57%. TCU, 66%. Sam Houston, 53%, and against Texas Tech, he threw it 57%. So quite simply, from a play selection standpoint, I'm going to go over under Houston's passing percentage, not completion percentage, but the percentage of plays that they run. So what I'll do is I'll factor in sacks. So I got to bake that. It's baked into the equation, so I got to take it out. And that's what I do. They're counted as run plays in the way they, they track college stats. So I, I track those. I take those out, put them back toward the uh, pass plays. So what percentage will Houston try and throw the football over under 58 and a half percent against West Virginia? I was hoping you say 57 and a half. Uh, I'll go, I'll go over. And I think the only reason I'll go with the over is because West Virginia's front seven has been really, really good this year, and they've been able to get push. They've been able to get to the quarterback. They've been able to get pressures, as we talked about. Obviously, Trey Lathan not being there is going to hurt. Um, but I, I still think they're going to be able to win those battles up front and stop the run game. And if West Virginia gets up early, then it may kind of force Dana to, to start slinging the ball around. I'm not saying that they're going to do it when they fall behind 7 nothing, but – I think he's going to realize very early that the, the weakness of this defense lies in the secondary, especially with the, the depth that they have back there or lack thereof. And, uh, I mean, we don't know about Aubrey Burks' status. He's questionable going into tonight's game. So I think the over is probably the better play, but I could see the under happen too. I think his game plan is to throw the football. Uh, I don't think they're happy where their O-line is. Their run game's coming around. They're happy with what that freshman's doing for them. But his deepest, room, his deepest room is that receiver. I think he likes to match up against our secondary. I think he's going to come out pitching and catching. And I'm going to take the over. I think Dana thinks he needs to throw the football to win this game. And uh, I'm going to take the over. So let's jump to third downs. Okay, from a uh, third down percentage standpoint, West Virginia offensively, this is another pretty simple. 
West Virginia offensively has struggled on third down. Houston defensively has struggled on third down. West Virginia is converting 32% on third down. That's only 13th in the Big 12. Houston defensively is allowing 41%. That's only 11th in the Big 12. So West Virginia is converting 32%. Houston's allowing 41%. So I'm going to say, what are you taking? West Virginia's third down success over under 43.5%. Oh. I'm going to say under, but not by much. I, I think the, the offense probably figured some things out over the bye week. So I think we'll see some more success, but I, I think it'll still go to the same kind of blueprint and in, in thinking, look, look, certain areas of the field, we're going to have four cracks at it. And I think Neil knows that. And an interesting little stat, Houston has allowed seven first downs on eight fourth down attempts. So Neil probably knows that. And he's going to look at that and say, look, if, if they're vulnerable on fourth down, we may, again, certain areas of the field, we may have a fourth crack at it. So I'm going to say they're going to set these things up to get to maybe a fourth and short, fourth and one and on the plus side of the field. So I'm going to say under, but not by much. I think they hover around that percentage. I was going to go under, but we'll make it interesting. I'll make the case for <laughs> over. At some point, I'll go over, I'll make the case. At some point here, as we approach the second half of the season, to right the ship, become a more complete offense, uh, we're going to have to have some games where we're around that 50% mark. Yeah. In some maybe even more. Uh, this needs to, against a defense that's struggling in that phase, this might need to be one of those games. So uh, I'll go ahead and take the over 43.5%. So let's say we approach 50% on third down success. That'd be great for the offense because you need to start climbing that number out of that number 13 spot. If you can gradually work your way into the top half of the league, then what that means is let's, let's look at it like this through five games. We're at 13th. Yeah. Well, if you finish the season in the top half of the league, that doesn't mean you were playing seventh style football the rest of the way. It means you were playing top three or four the rest of the way. So if you can finish the season in the top half of the league, we're approaching that. That's very good news for what we were able to do down the stretch in some of these games. And finally, the third one, from a turnover standpoint, we're going to look at it like this. Houston is plus six in turnover margin. They're number two in the Big 12. Uh, they've won the turnover margin three times in five games. They haven't lost it yet. So West Virginia is sitting at zero. Uh, which is tied for eighth in the Big 12. So neither a plus nor a negative. Uh, we have won it one time. We've lost it once. And three times we played, and strangely enough, three times in five games this that year. That is crazy. There hasn't been a turnover on either side. Wow. Which is very strange, okay? It's unusual to have a game without a turnover, uh, but we've had three of them. Uh, we forced five turnovers, all five been picks. We haven't recovered a fumble yet. Uh, now, one of the interesting things to me, as I was digging through this, I stumbled across something that really I found interesting. WVU has actually won the turnover battle just one time, and that was against Pitt, in the last 11 games dating back to last year. So I don't know how many people even know that. Hey, all right. I would have so never one time. 
And now there's been times that we didn't lose it, but we've only won it one time in the last 11 games. So in the last 11 games, we've won it once, we've lost it five times, and five times there were zeros. So my question is, quite simply, will West Virginia against Houston tonight win the turnover margin? I'm going to say no. I, I think this is a team that just – they find a way to win ugly games. And I think everyone has this picture in their head that West Virginia's going to stroll down there and just walk all over Houston. That's not the case. I mean, we've talked about this plenty of times. They're going to get Houston's best shot. And even though I do think they win, this team's used to kind of winning in unconventional ways where you, you don't win the turnover battle or you play, you know, a little sloppy offensively. You don't get enough things going offensively and you just still find a way to win. So because of how Houston's had success turning teams over. Um, and, and I think at some point, maybe it's, and maybe it is tonight too, because of having the bye week to work on some things. If, if West Virginia starts taking some more shots down the field, you're going to be susceptible to throwing a pick or two. And Garrett Green hasn't thrown one this year, so he's due for that. Um, but I do think he, he – I, I say he throws one interception, and that's probably the only turnover of the game. And he bounces back, still plays well, West Virginia wins. So I think it's, it's one turnover going into advantage of Houston. What that means – when asking, will West Virginia win the turnover mark? If it ends at zeros, then that's a no. Um, yeah. So they win it. I, I, I'm going to say, I'm going to say we'll win it. Donovan Smith is a dangerous, exceptional quarterback who can extend plays. He is incredibly difficult to get to the ground. He's big. He's strong. Uh, kind of like a Drew Aller type in that sense. He's very difficult to bring down. So he has a knack uh, for extending plays and creating problems. But also, the more tape I watch, he's been picked off three times this year. But he will put the football in harm's way. Uh, he's been bailed out by his receivers a couple times. He's gotten uh, lucky on tipped balls a couple times. So it's not as though, even though he's only thrown picks with a pass-heavy team or a team that throws a lot more than we do, I don't know if necessarily call him pass heavy based on those numbers we talked about. Uh, he might be due. He has yeah. been putting football in harm's way and getting away with it. Um, and we know that from the matchup that we like, we like our D-line against their O-line. So if we can get after him and put him under duress, he might be forced into some bad decisions and put the ball in harm's way. And is this the night that West Virginia – as the leader in the Big 12 and dropped interceptions with seven, number three in the country with dropped interceptions with seven, is this the night we find a way to actually pick some of those balls off and not just have PBUs and drop them? So I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say we will find a way to uh, win the turnover battle. And in addition to that, at some point, the law of averages has to work in your favor in terms of having zero fumble recoveries. There's only two teams in the Big 12 this deep into the season and haven't recovered a fumble yet. And we're one of them. So the numbers have to start turning in your favor, but we have won the turnover battle actually outright won it one time in 11 games. That's the thing that I find myself thinking about. That's a trend that needs to be snapped. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to say yes, tonight we do find a way to snap it because on the road, 
any kind of environment that would certainly help your cause when you're the road team. So I'm going to say we find a way to do that. Yeah. So West Virginia, Houston tonight at seven o'clock FS one. And yes, we are bringing, we wanted to make sure we got Phil's opinion on West Virginia, Houston. So that's why we're putting up Phil today and not tomorrow. Uh, Quick word, uh, thank you from our friends at Toothman Ford. We all know cars cost less in Grafton. And, uh, Jed, this is going to be a fun one. I mean, Dana versus his old team, I think a lot is being made about this. But like Neil said earlier last or earlier in the week, West Virginia doesn't really have a whole lot of connections to Houston. Actually, they don't really have any. So I think this is kind of more of a, a Houston, maybe centric problem than it is West Virginia. But we'll get – uh, Phil's thoughts on this here just around the corner. Uh, we'll be talking to him about West Virginia, Houston, uh, top 25 and big 12 matchups as well. So stay tuned. We'll be back here with Phil on Phil Steel Thursday. Nobody supports the Blue and Gold Mountaineers like Toothman Ford. With over 20 NIL deals and counting, Toothman Ford continues to rally behind our student-athletes. And it's time we rally and support the dealer that supports the Mountaineers. Not only does Toothman Ford offer the best prices in the state on pre-owned, their never-over MSRP campaign on new Fords guaranteed to, to save you thousands. thousands. Drive with pride all season long, knowing you're supporting the dealer that fuels our Mountaineers. Toothman Ford, where cars cost less. In Grafton and at ToothmanFord.com. For more West Virginia Mountaineer football content, be sure to follow us on Twitter at In the Gun Podcast. For nearly 20 years, Fortis has been the nation's leader in providing guaranteed roof performance programs for commercial buildings. Fortis offers roof performance solutions that feature extensive initial and ongoing reconditioning for commercial buildings as an alternative to traditional replacement with long-term performance guarantees that are backed by global leader Lloyds of London. Fortis offers a comprehensive range of roof performance management programs that provide financial security, extend the life of our customers' roofs, and make a significant impact on ROI. Fortis is currently improving performance and increasing ROI for customers at more than 4,800 locations, with more than 140 million square feet protected, including many Fortune 500 companies that have turned to Fortis to save money, gain financial certainty, and extend the life of their existing roofs. Fortis has helped customers save more than $520 million in capital roof replacement costs for an average ROI of over 250%. To learn more, visit Fortis.us.com. Fortis, roof performance and financial certainty guaranteed. Let's go, Mountaineer fans. You're tuned in to In the Gun with Wes, the runaway beer truck, and the signal caller. All right, everyone, it's that time of the week. And actually, we're a day earlier because we wanted to get Phil's opinion on West Virginia Houston, as I mentioned before the break. So we've got the encyclopedia, as Wes likes to call him, of college football. Phil Steele online with us. Phil, we thank you for joining us once again. And, uh, Maybe you got West Virginia picking over Houston this week. We'll, we'll get to that here in a little bit. He's He's been on a roll with that, except for last week or last game. He went with TCU, but he was happy he was wrong. So, Phil, thanks for joining us once again. Yeah, and I had West Virginia plus the points in that game. So, uh, you yes. know, I was happy that they got that. And, and by the way, I'm pleased that you moved me up an episode so I could get on episode 100 for crying out loud. Yes, absolutely. We had to get Phil on for episode 100. So let's get it kicked off with some top 25 action. And Phil, I, I can't even ask this game without asking your opinion of it. Miami, what is Mario Cristobal doing? 
Um, I, I don't know what they did uh, in that game last week. I don't know why they just didn't take a knee, but that could be something that could be a lingering effect, uh, especially when you go travel on the road and you're playing a very tough North Carolina team. Yeah, you wonder about the mental uh, aspect of that. And you go back to that game uh, while it was close and while Miami did need a late field goal to take the lead. That Before that uh, botched knee thing, they had a 453 to 175 yard edge. I mean, it was statistically all them. They had survived a, a minus three turnover game. And uh, it was a thing where Mario Cristobal, I, I think if you watch Miami, they really don't take knees. But I think maybe they'll start to do that in the future. It's more of one of those, he's an old offensive lineman, physical, and you know we're going to run the ball and, and things like that. But I, I think he'll learn from that in the future. I know they had a, something like that happening with Oregon also. And uh, believe me, he's, he's heard it enough. I, I think you're going to see them take knees at the end of the games. But it still is a very talented Miami team. And as mentioned, they had a 453, 175-yard edge in that game. They beat Texas A&M. They're solid on both the offensive line and defensive line. In fact, when I talked to Coach Cristobal this uh, post-spring, he was actually uh, just buoyant about his offensive line and defensive line, and they've proved to be up to the task. They're only allowing 2.3 yards per carry, and offensively they're averaging 5.7 yards per carry and only allowed five sacks all year. Tyler Van Dyke's coming off a rough game where he had some interceptions. I don't think we'll see that here. And uh, North Carolina is a very talented team, one that if you look at their schedule the rest of the way, uh, they should be undefeated when they roll in and face Clemson on the road. That'll be a great game there. But uh, I, I like North Carolina win the game, but I, it, the line's three and a half in this one. I think Miami of Florida is going to give them all they want. I, I would actually lean a little bit with Miami plus the three and a half. I, I'm going to call for the Tar Heels to win that one by a field goal. Still out in the Pac-12, we have Dan Lanning's unbeaten Oregon Ducks in a top 10 matchup heading to Washington. Michael Penix. Might be the Heisman opportunity that he has been after. But th did I see this week that despite all the history between these two teams, is this the first time they've ever played with both of them in the top 10? Uh, I believe that is the case. And uh, it, it seems unusual. Of course, the, the Ducks were down for a long period of time, but now they have been up and, uh, and playing great. And uh, I, I think this is one of the, well, it is the best game of the weekend. In fact, in my average game grades on philsteel.com, which uh, they have no starting points, so it only takes into account how you do, uh, not only point-wise, but uh, score or, uh, yard-wise as well, rushing, passing, both offense and defense, and then who your opponent is. Oregon comes in number one right now, and Washington's number three. So it is a battle of uh, two of the top uh, teams in the country. Husky Stadium is one of the loudest venues there. It's not 100,000 fans, but it sure sounds like it when you go there. They've got Michael Penix. They've got probably three NFL-caliber receivers with the Dunsey, Polk, and McMillan. Uh, the run game has been good this year, but I'm actually leaning with Oregon to pull the upset here for a couple of reasons. First of all, I do believe they have the special teams advantage, and they do have the defensive edge as well. They're holding opponents to 256 yards per game. They've got 18 sacks this year. Washington only has six sacks. I think they're going to be able to, to disrupt Penix a little bit there, maybe cause a turnover or two, and Oregon's playing with legitimate revenge. So I think this could be just a heck of a game, worth it, come down to the wire. But I'm going to call for the Ducks to go on the road and pull the upset here. Bill, this is one of my most intriguing games of the weekend, USC at Notre Dame. 
Uh, this begins a very tough stretch for USC down, down these final uh, six games. I think five of their last six games are against ranked opponents. The only game that they're not uh, playing a ranked opponent is against Cal, which is an average football team right now. But this is a big game for them uh, defensively. Obviously, they haven't been very good. Notre Dame hasn't been very good offensively lately. But Notre Dame, you're playing at home. Your offense has been scuffling. You get a chance to get back on track against a bad defense. Do I have? Am I weird or, or or odd for thinking that Notre Dame could actually win this game? Well, you and Vegas both feel the same way because Notre <laughs> Dame's a, a two and a half point favorite in the game. So, uh, and I I I actually lean with Notre Dame as well. Now, I will say this about USC: I've heard a lot of narratives so far this week, and like, well, USC gave up forty-one points again last week. What was the score at the end of regulation? They only gave up 28 in regulation. So, that I mean, it was a bad first quarter. They gave up 21 points in, like, the first quarter and a fourth. Then they held Arizona scoreless for two full quarters last week. So, uh, But they, they did allow 506 yards. I'm not going to say USC's defense is great. I'm just going to say they didn't allow 41 points last week. They really gave up 28. But uh, when I look at this matchup, it's tough to go against Caleb Williams. He is a premier quarterback. And, you know, one thing I said – and I do about 250 radio shows over the summer. And one of my common themes was Caleb Williams can't possibly top last year's stats, but guess what? He is so far, you know, last year he only hit only hit 67% with a 42, five ratio this year, 71% with a 22, one ratio. If he keeps that going, he, he may just win the Heisman again, but uh, defensively Notre Dame has a large advantage special teams. Notre Dame has a large advantage. Sam Hartman, for some reason, just can't play against Louisville. He's had uh, three interceptions last week. Last year, he had, what, four interceptions against Louisville. But now he's back at home. I think Sam Hartman will look like Sam Hartman again. And then you look at the series history of this. Uh, the home team is absolutely dominated. Nine and one straight up and against the spread. And it figures. It figures to be, you know, probably uh, 50 degrees and, and maybe just uh, rainy over the weekend in Indianapolis. Uh, that's not good weather for USC. And uh, so I think the weather, the defense, the special teams, the home edge, the fact that the home team is dominated, all has me picking the Irish this week to uh, knock off USC. But I still think USC has an excellent chance of winning the Pac-12. I, I think they can get Utah and Washington at home. I believe the Pac-12 title game is going to come down to USC at Oregon in Week 11. Back out to the Pac-12, Phil. we got Chip Kelly's Bruins heading up to face the Beavers of Oregon State. And I tell you what, that crew at Oregon State, they just won't go away, will they? <laughs> yeah, and, you know, the the one thing that people do not realize is how Reeser Stadium is for Oregon State. Now, once again, I mean, we're not even talking, uh, you know, 50,000, 60,000 people. It's not a huge crowd. In the last two years, they've had their stadium under construction. So it's been like 75% capacity uh, with a whole bunch of seats not filled, I'm uh, not available for the game. But now they're finally back to 100% full capacity. But you know what their record is at home the last 16 games? How about 15 and one straight up, 15 and one against the spread? They are just dominant at home. They showed that earlier against Utah. They beat Utah 21 to seven. UCLA Dante Moore is a young quarterback. I think Dante Moore is going to be one of the best quarterbacks in the country next year, but he has struggled in his only road start against Utah. I remember they threw that interception return for a touchdown. They trailed that thing 14, nothing got a late touchdown. So, 
you know, add it all up. I love the home field edge for Oregon State. They can run the football with Dennis Martinez. They average 5.6 yards per carry. They stop the run. Uh, UCLA's got a great defense. They're actually leading the nation in yards per play uh, right now, which is shocking. But I'm going to go with Oregon State minus the points at home. Reeser Stadium is just one uh, very tough venue, and Oregon State's a very good team. Bill, we do want to ask one uh, question here in terms of the group of five, and that is Wyoming at Air Force. If you look at Air Force's schedule, they got Navy, Colorado State, Army, Hawaii, UNLV, Boise State. If they can get past this game against the Cowboys, there's a chance they could potentially run the table here. So what do you think about this matchup? Wyoming, they come, they're coming off that win against Fresno. Can they pull out another impressive win two weeks in a row? Yeah, Air Force will be favored in all the rest of their games. Uh, the Boise State game would be the one. It would be a question mark at the end of the year on the road. It's a good situation for Air Force. They're fresh off a bye. Wyoming's coming off knocking off Fresno State uh, at home. So when you knock off a ranked team and then travel, it's usually a tough situation. But here's the thing I like about Wyoming in this game, and the reason I think they have a potential upset, it's Craig Bowl. Craig Bowl knows how to stop the option. If you look at his history against Air Force, uh, the majority of the games, he's held Air Force below 200 yards rushing. And this is a team that averages over 300 every single year. So Bowl knows how to stop the option. Now, Harrison Whaley, their top running back, got injured in the fourth quarter last week, limped off the field. I think he's going to play. That could be huge because he's been the big difference in their run game. But I like what I've seen out of Peasley. I like what I see out of the defense. Uh, and this is a Wyoming team that went into Texas. And Texas is a really good team. In the fourth quarter, that score is 10 to 10. So add it all up. I like Wyoming plus the points in this game, and I think they have a potential for an upset. But I agree with you 100%. You look at that schedule for Air Force, and they're a 10.5-point favorite here, by the way. Uh, it doesn't look like they could be an underdog until maybe they play Boise at the end of the year. Well, let's jump into, into the Big 12. Uh, you've got Iowa State. You talked about this last week, how dangerous it is to play under the lights of Jack Trice. Boy, that proved to be the case again. They had a big win against TCU. Now they'll be going on the road to face a Cincinnati team that's kind of quickly become finding themselves in a desperate spot. Since beating Pitt, Cincinnati's dropped three straight. Now they did have the bye to get ready for this. How do you see this matchup playing out in Cincinnati? You know, I like the way Iowa State is playing right now. I've been, you know, naturally I watch all the games, and, and Rocco Becht is, has impressed me. Uh, He's got a 10-5 ratio. He's hitting 60%. He seems to get a little bit better each and every week. Also, the run game is picked up. Abu Sama averaging 5.1 yards per carry. Eli Sanders had a couple of explosive runs. Cartavius Norton's had some good runs. So the run game has got going as well. Earlier in the year, they were struggling to run the ball. The offensive line is starting to get better. And that defense is very tough to solve. And I think the defense, first time seeing it for – uh, Satterfield, I think that's going to be a, a tough situation for Cincinnati. It's an Iowa State team that's really good as an away dog. And I just think Iowa State's a better team. They're actually getting five and a half points here. Cincinnati's the favorite. But I think Iowa State uh, pulls the upset. It won't be an upset in my mind. But I like the Cyclones to go on the road and get the win. Phil, last week you told us that Oklahoma State was going to win that game or had a chance to win that game outright against Kansas State. And, boy, did you get that one right on the money. They won 29-21. to 21. And this could be, like Jed said earlier in the week, a, a situation where things start to turn for the Cowboys. Meanwhile, for Kansas, this quarterback situation, it, it's its getting interesting. Jalen Daniels is not expected to play again from what I've been reading. 
And, it, I mean, he's only played three games. And I think for Kansas fans, you start to wonder, is this a thing where he may be sitting out and going to transfer? Jason Bean's a good backup, but is he good enough to win this game on the road against the Cowboys? Yeah, and Jason Bean last year had uh, stats that were pretty close to what Jalen Daniels had. Uh, you know, he ran for 222 yards, so he's mobile. Uh, last year he hit 64% with a 14-4 ratio. Good numbers. Numbers very almost identical to what Daniels put up last year. And last week, uh, you know, with being a quarterback, they put up 51 points on UCF, 490 yards. Uh, in fact, uh, at halftime of that game, they led 24 to nothing. So Bean is one of the best backup quarterbacks out there. Not quite Jalen Daniels, but he still is mobile and still can throw the football. However, you know, I mentioned last week about this Oklahoma State team in a circle the wagons game and turned their season around. They got the win. They've got the confidence. And thank goodness they stopped that quarterback rotation. They went with Alan Bowman against Iowa State, put up over 400 yards. They stuck with Bowman against Kansas State, put up over 400 yards. And those are two really good defenses. I would not put Kansas in the same level defensive-wise as I would Iowa State and Kansas State. So I think they will have success, get over 400 yards here. That defense can be tough. Oklahoma State's one of the better home field advantages. Frankly, I'm surprised Kansas is the favorite in this game. Kansas in Vegas is a three-point favorite. I think Oklahoma State should be the favorite in this game. I do like the Cowboys to get the win here and then probably get the win against Cincinnati. They got Bedlam, which I know they're looking forward to, but this is an Oklahoma State team. I think it's going to be very impressive the second half of the season. Phil, let's, let's get down to Fort Worth. TCU, you have to think after six games, they didn't plan on being three and three. And here comes BYU to town. Uh, Keaton Slovis is going to have some opportunities against the TCU secondary that has surprised people the way they've struggled. And talking about situations at quarterback, it looks like Chandler Morris might be out for some time for TCU, and they find themselves in a more difficult place than intended, right? Yeah, they, they did not expect to be 3-3, three and three, and they did not expect to be down to a backup quarterback. But, you know, it's interesting. When I talked to uh, Coach Dykes after spring practice was over, uh, we were talking about the quarterbacks, and he, he said, no matter who wins the job, I really like this quarterback room, which leads me to think he's got a lot of confidence in Josh Hoover. And I like what I saw to Hoover when he came into the game. Now he's got a full week working with the number ones. I think Josh Hoover is going to be better than expected. So uh, Chandler Morris being out, I'm not taking it as a major loss here. I think that uh, Josh Hoover will do well. And when I look at BYU this year, the amazing thing to me is, uh, you know, they're being outgained by 42 yards per game. Somehow they're winning games like the Cincinnati game they won despite being outgained by 200 yards. The Arkansas game they won, they were outgained by 143 yards in that game. And yet somehow doing it, they're doing it with smoke and mirrors. They can't run the football. Uh, they haven't, uh, they've only had on the season, they're only averaging 63 yards per game on the ground, 2.3 yards per carry. I think TCU can get after the quarterback. They should harass Keaton Slovis. They're at home. They're in a desperate situation at three and three. This is a team that was expected. They expected themselves to contend for the big 12 title. They're not there right now. It's just one and two. They need this victory. I think we're going to see TCU play one of its best games of the season. I'm not concerned about the quarterback situation. I like TCU to win this one by over a touchdown. Phil, I was really high on Kansas State entering the season. Obviously, things haven't gone uh, as well for them lately, losing two of their last three. Will Howard, one touchdown to four picks in his last two games. They've got a big one this week on the road in Lubbock against Texas Tech. 
who everyone started to write off after their loss to West Virginia. But since then, they have started to play much better football. They're, they're winning games. They beat Baylor. They beat Houston. This seems like a very crucial game in terms of the long-term Big 12 picture for these two teams. Yeah, I agree. In fact, I, I did a, 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 a call with the, uh, the Citrus Bowl, and we were talking about uh, the Citrus and the Pop-Tart Bowl. And uh, one of them is picking the Big 12. I, I believe it's the number four team for the Big 12. Uh, it'll come out to be after you get through the uh, the uh, the New Year's Day six games, and uh, it, it, the Big Twelve is is wide open, guys. I mean, it could be anybody. It could be West Virginia, Kansas State, Texas Tech. Could be Iowa State. Could be Oklahoma State. There's a lot of teams in there, and so this game is massive in that respect. And Texas Tech impressed me last week. I liked Baylor to uh, upset Texas Tech. They did not. Texas Tech looked good, was in control the entire game. They did only outgain Baylor by 25 yards, benefited from some turnovers, but still a good game on the road where they usually don't play good. Now they're at home where they do play good. But the last time they were at home, I liked them big over Houston. They won that game by 21, but I wasn't blown away by the defense. They gave up nearly 500 yards to Houston in that game. Uh, And this is a Kansas State team that just matches up well with Texas Tech. If you go back and take a look, they have actually won the last seven games against Texas Tech, and uh, most of them have been a decent win. So uh, they their defense matches up well against the Texas Tech offense, and that's the reason I think Kansas State can go on the road and get this win. All right, Phil, here I sit in Houston in a hotel room, uh, so I'm bringing you down here with me. I want your thoughts. West Virginia sitting at 4-1 and one with four straight victories, uh, first time since 2018. The bye couldn't have come at a better time. It's reaching a point where the season is starting to have its effect from an injury standpoint. We're heading down here to face face Dana Holgerson and the Cougars, uh, a Cougars team that finds themselves in in somewhat of a desperate spot, sitting at two and three. Uh, You have a quarterback situation in Donovan Smith. He's big. He's physical. I think they like their wideout room. Uh, you kind of almost expect them to come out trying to play pitch and catch against this West Virginia secondary. But how do you see this thing unfolding? Yeah, it should be a decent game. I'll tell you that much. Houston, as you mentioned, is one of those uh, circle the wagon games. Uh, They're at home. If they're going to do anything this season, they need to pick up a win here. I mean, they've got Texas at Kansas State and at Baylor on deck. So it could be a long season if they drop this game. However, I'm very impressed with West Virginia this year. You talk When I talked to Neil Brown, he talked about the offensive line, how confident he was in that unit. And I love how the offensive line has played this year. Uh, they're opening up holes for the run game. They're taking teams out of their game that like to throw the football over the field by running the football. They've got a mobile quarterback in Garrett Green. Uh, and the running backs have proven to be solid. And defensively, you know, West Virginia is holding teams to 40 yards per game below their season average. I like that. Meanwhile, Houston... Uh, their defense actually allowing teams 31 yards per game above their season average. So I think you have a large edge on defense, a large edge in the run game. And I like the quarterback play for West Virginia. They've, they've got uh, capable QB play uh, on the season with Green and Miracle. And I think with Green, uh, it gives them a great spot here. So I just think West Virginia is the better team, capable of going on the road and getting the win. And I do think they not only get the win, but uh, they're laying like two and a half in this game. Uh, they're going to get the cover in this one as well. Bill, I, I got to ask you, too, because Neil Neil Brown's been playing this disrespect card all season long, and it's been working. And I think he's he's loving the fact that they they put that number 14 ranking uh, on them at the beginning of the season. He, he talked about it earlier this week that he feels like this team should be – or 
you know, they should be ranked. They've done enough he, in his mind against the schedule that they've had to be ranked. Again, beating Houston probably doesn't move the needle much. But if you win this game on the road, you move the 5-1, your 3-0 Big 12 conference play, do you feel like that's enough to get this West Virginia team ranked? I do. And I think the fact that this game's on national TV and a lot of folks are going to be watching it is one big reason that uh, that'll help out. Uh, you know, so maybe folks might not watch the West Virginia game each week, but uh, watching this one and watching the, the run game and the defense, I think they're going to, if, if West Virginia wins the game, like I think they will, I believe they will be ranked this week. And, and maybe then Neil Brown won't be able to play that the, the rank card anymore. But <laughs> certainly he could play in the fact that, uh, you know, like this game here, they're taking on a 2-3 and three Houston, and yet they're not even a field goal favorite in the game. Yeah, that is a very good point. And just like the uh, TCU game, they were 14-point underdog in, in that one as well, even after beating Texas Tech with a backup quarterback. So, West Virginia-Houston tonight, 7 o'clock, FS1. Phil, we thank you for stopping by, as always, and uh, it was a good time talking. Always great talking to you guys. I want to congratulate you on your 100th uh, episode. That's, uh, that's quite a landmark for you, and, uh, and hopefully we'll be doing the show together when you're doing your 200th show. Absolutely. We, we definitely hope that is the case. And uh, everyone, thank you for following us uh, this week. We've got uh, full game coverage uh, coming up, and, and we've got uh, Big Daddy will be back next week to kick off uh, Oklahoma State week. One final thank you to Fortis for roof performance and financial certainty guaranteed. Make sure to visit Fortis.us.com. And as always, be in here and tell in here about your favorite WV football podcast. You've been in the gun. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.